you know, the only reason that intercessors exist is because they didn't want to make Death Watch too strong. Is that so? That is my hot take. This is the Squad Games Podcast. My name's Giacomo. I'm with Dakota. And today we have a very special guest. His name is Adrian. Adrian, would you like to say hello to everybody? How's it going, guys? Happy to be here and uh, glad you guys are listening along and really, really excited to talk about some Space Marines. Yeah, and uh, he's being pretty modest right now, but if uh, if memory serves me right, he is number one for intercession in the U.S.? Uh, I think I ended the season globally number one intercession. Uh, wow! As far as, the, as, far as, <laughs> as as far as the ITC rankings go, I took a quick snapshot the other day because they were down for a minute after LVO, and then they went back up, and I just I was trailing behind one guy. I'm not exactly sure in the, where in the world he was, but LVO took me to the top, so... Yeah, fin- finished the 2022 season number one intercession globally, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. Ooh, thank we you. love to hear that, you know. And uh, so, yeah, so you know what you're kind of looking forward to. It's yeah. Gonna, it's going to be like the Harvard effect, where if you go to Harvard and you make a mistake, they go, You went to Harvard. What are you doing? You know, you play <laughs> number one intercessions. What are you doing? I, now I have to change factions. And now you have to change factions. <laughs> so, something that <clears throat> a lot of people might not know is that you have a beautifully painted team. Wonderfully. Yeah, yeah, uh, thank you. I I uh I, I try my best. I'm I'm I, I take a lot a lot of a lot of time to do it. Uh I'm not like a professional painter by any means, but I just put a ton of like heart and soul into it and I think it's uh it's been cool really developing those guys and that's been part of the reason over the past year or so why I've continued to take them because they really feel like my guys, you know. Yeah, I got okay. to see them live uh, when we were doing the streams at lvo and they do look wonderful i liked your um your theme do you want to tell everybody your theme yeah well i guess i i came from long story short i came from big 40k uh and i took i wanted to take a break from it for about a couple weeks and that was like uh, a little over a year ago uh and i haven't looked back since so i had um some death watch guys that was my 40k force and i was like hey they got a kill team in the compendium let's try that and i, and I really like that and i love that the marines had like really more of a traditional feeling with with like a ton of wounds and like being able to shoot twice and fight twice and being harder to take down as opposed to 40k where they you kind of just pick five or ten up at a time sometimes um and yeah the the death watch was always something i love from a lore perspective um the models are cool the fact that you can kind of you know pick and choose all these different traits from all these different chapters and mix a lot of iconography and color schemes and they always appealed to me um, and then I had an idea. I had already spent so, so much time building my regular Primaris Deathwatch force. I said, you know what, let's, why don't we just throw all that in the trash and build a brand new force from scratch, <laughs> which, which I'm, which I'm still to this day working on. So if you ask Travis or any of the guys in, in Brooklyn, he's like, man, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like a true, like a true emperor's champion right there. Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you actually been hobbying and playing, you know, this either 40 K, you know? Yeah, I started back in, um, I guess it was middle school. Like, I think I want to say like the seventh grade or so. I, I changed schools at that time. And uh, the, the person who was assigned to kind of show me around to the new school ended up playing Tau. And I got into it. Um, and I always loved Space Marines just because, I mean, you know, who doesn't? And then I just wasn't really as much of a hobbyist or a painter back then. And I just couldn't get them done. So I switched to Necrons because they were also cool and extremely easy to paint. I would just let Belcher, a green, a green wash, a brown wash and call it done. And, and, and they were very good at the time. So I, I did pretty well with them. That was back when phase out was a thing and they could just like glancing. Third, hit. Right. 
That's uh, fourth, I might might have been might have been fifth. I I was yeah. about my time. Yeah. So, but yeah, phase either out, way, like phase out was around from they were introduced in third at the end of oh, third. yeah, and then that phase out lasted forever. Yeah, so we these were the green rod era Necrons. Um, yeah, so, so all the all the plastic rods they were really cool, and I would just have twenty dudes like shoot at a land raider, get a couple sixes, and a couple more Plants sixes, and, and just blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> dumb so time was, i remember it was they were pretty broken they were pretty broken yeah uh and then i played that for a few years and then th- life happens you move on to high school and you're like oh man i don't want to be playing warhammer like that's not cool and i kind of right. compromised a little myself to be honest looking back and dropped it for the latter part of high school and college and after that and then fast forward to covid and all that i kind of got back into magic as something to do and i just had no idea there was actually a little bit of a scene starting in brooklyn uh, and if I had, I would have just skipped Magic altogether and gotten back to 40K, which I eventually did. Um, and I played 40K for about a year and just kind of got tired of all the broken codexes after broken codexes and the feeling yeah. of help, the, the, the competitive feeling of helplessness it led to. Because I feel like I was a good player and I was trying my best, but I just was spinning my wheels at certain points and also playing games that were three, four hours long and not learning anything. So, Especially I, with especially Space Marines, because Space Marines, well, they might be better now, but you know, like a year ago to two years yeah. ago. I mean, you had to play dark angels. Yeah. They're up again, down again. The 40 K thing is like, you know, armies come and go. So you kind of got to have two or three on rotation depending on the meta. And yep. with the, the amount of money, like it costs damn near like $500 to a grand to get a full 40 K army. Yes. And then you got to spend all that time painting it. And mm-hmm. now you guys have seen my models and knowing how long it takes me to paint that. I, after a year of doing that, I just finished building my forest and I had about like four models painted. So, <laughs> so I was like, uh, I don't know, man, I got a little burnt out. I definitely, definitely understand that. I have 14,000 points of Eldar, most of which are not painted. That's a lot of points. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the way it goes. I always want to start new armies, but I never do it just because I don't dedicate the time to it. I have other things I need to do. Yeah. Enter kill team. And enter kill team. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I got really into this. And Dakota being very much, uh, we would talk about it a lot. Kind of got me more interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's a great game. I, I, I'm I'm so happy I made the switch, and I'm actually start the starting this whole process of selling off all my old 40k stuff and just kind of focus on this full time now. Okay. All right. Well, quick, quick, another question for you. Yeah. Um, you have, like I said, a beautifully painted Death Watch army with some stellar poses and stellar models. And I saw that you're a sneak peek of your newest one coming up. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. But I did have a question. Are you looking to uh, start maybe building a display board and trying to start put putting those guys in hobby track in your area? So next year, LVO, you might uh, you might be a contender. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I didn't. Um, I've always really strived to paint the models individually well, and all the new Death Watch guys, like you said, are they're all based off a character model. So the new guy I'm working on is based off. Uh, I forget his name. It's Tor Garadin or whatever the yeah, Imperial yeah, yeah. Fist Gravis guy. But I, but they're all heavily customized, and I take the arms off and put new arms on and new heads. So like they're all based off like a character model, which gives them that extra you know oomph on the on the on the on the battlefield but in terms Absolutely. of the display case yeah i think i think i'd like to i actually just came into a friend gave me like for free just like a moroc landing pad huh. and then i came to lvo and and put my guys on the table and i was like oh man all these people have all these beautiful display boards now i kind of need to do that so i, I think to answer <laughs> your question i think that's definitely the goal for that for the next uh, lvo or the next big event i attend to maybe have a nice cool thematic way to display them that i can also kind of transport in my magnetic case 
And uh-huh. I think the Moroc landing pad is just about the right size to fit in. I have that, like, you know, that A case with the three tiers. So mm-hmm. models can go on one level and then the, I can magnetize the Moroc landing pad, put it on the bottom and then just throw it over my shoulder. So yeah, that's the goal. Okay. That's super exciting. Yeah. I, I look forward to seeing that. Man. I'm extremely excited to see that, especially with your hobbying skills. Yeah. And I also have my, one of the cool things I did finish was a fully painted Redemptor Dreadnought with all the battle damage and everything else. So maybe Hell I'll yeah. throw that on the landing pad just for the extra flair. When you were playing at New York, New York, New York Open, you won that. Um, did you find LVO's competition to be um, more difficult, or was it about the same? You know, it's it's hard to say. I think it was. I think it was. I mean, the New York competition was for sure fierce, but also the the win the the win path I went into put me into some really tough factions. Okay. Like the, my, my, uh, second to last, I guess, penultimate, right. And ultimate games are both into ad mech pre nerf, which, Ew. which is like the worst thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were both really, really tight. One was against, uh, Liam Garrett and the other was against Mike Cortez, both of whom are like really, really good players. Um, in LVO, I think my toughest matches, uh, also equally as close, right? I had two matches that were just like one point wins and my one loss was like a two point swing. So three re- really, really tight matches, uh, against vet guard on day one. Um, and then on day two was star striders. Those were the close one point wins. Mm. And then Austin's pathfinders just narrowly, uh, got a win over me, uh, at the end of day one. So I- I'd say the competition is probably is probably comparable to be honest. It's, it's all, it's always hard to say because, you know, it depends on as, as balanced of a game as this is like, depending on the maps and the initiative roles and just kind of which team versus which team it's not, not everything exists in a vacuum, you know? So the best mm-hmm. of my ability, I'd say the competition is, is good in both places. I mean, I did end up going against Chris Baki, which, which was pretty cool. Yeah, um, pretty yeah. And a hundred percent, hundred percent. So Yes, I don't want to. I don't want to like give you like a gray area answer, but I'd say it's prob- It's hard to say, but I, I think it, there's there was some fierce competition at both events for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, when you got competition on the line, expect to get uh, some of the best players, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, what were your total thoughts on LVO? I know you were there for at least the championships, and I, I think you were there on the pods as well, right? Uh, no, I wasn't out there in the pods. You know, I actually flew in a day early just to get kind of, you know, the jet lag a little off to experience. It was my first time out there. So I wanted to oh, kind of just like, yeah, ne- I'd never been to a tournament outside of uh, Brooklyn uh, before. I've been to one tournament in New Jersey, which was a short car ride away. But everything prior to this has just been small local tournaments at Brooklyn Strategist, which is our local club. Uh, and then NYO was was the big first one. Um, which I was fortunate enough to end up winning, which was honestly so surreal. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I maybe I start taking this show on the road and seeing, you know, what else is out there. And I really, I had an awesome time at LVO. I mean, I really couldn't ask for anything more. Um, everything from just like the spectacle and the scale of it, you know, having like over two thousand dudes at, at at the Rio Casino, just yeah, like put, pushing around their carts with all their models and like just talking about it. Every restaurant, you would just overhear people talking about their games and the hobby and what was coming up the next day. Beautiful displays, beautiful armies, but I mean, just like just the sheer scale of it was impressive, and that was really cool. Um, and then also to be part of the biggest kill team tournament in the U.S. to date was also just like a historic thing, and and I was really excited just to be there for that. And I was. I was shooting for a good placement, but to finish third was like, honestly, really, really awesome. Don't only have one loss and six wins. Like is, is definitely probably as good as I, 
I could have hoped, but yeah, long story short, had, had a great time, met a lot of cool people, including both of you guys, you know, it was really awesome just chatting, meeting like-minded people, seeing what everybody's doing on the West coast, the scene's slightly different, the terrain's slightly different. You guys have an amazing streaming setup, which we're trying to replicate in New York a little bit. So like, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see how, like, who's doing what things a little bit better and like staying in touch and just trying to build the 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 national and global community as a whole for this game is like it's really cool like i i've never felt part of it in 40k because it's so huge and i was so small but like kill team i feel like i'm actually like part of it and making a genuine impact in a way if that makes sense and it's, it's nice to have that feeling to be part of a community from the ground up as it as it grows absolutely I mean, when it comes to intercessions, you're like my hero, you know, you brought them all the way to third and then you won first with the other one. Like, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> Honestly, it's really cool hearing you say that. Cause I just, you know, I feel like I just show up to every game and I'm not necessarily like I got this or I'm confident. I'm just like every game, I don't have like a, like a plan every time. I just kind of like do the best with what I am given. And I'm, I, maybe I haven't reached that level yet where I think of myself that way, but I just feel like I show up and I'm just trying to do the best I can. So it's, it's interesting you say that I, I don't see myself that way personally, but, uh, but it's, it's cool to get, to get some recognition and have some other people like comment on the play and say they watched the battle reports and they were fun. So it's, it's always good to get that. Cause like when I'm playing as a player, I'm in such a, like such a tunnel, it's hard to focus on anything else, especially anything from like a third, you know, party or a bird's eye view. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. A, a lot of top players, I kind of recognize that. Like, I'll kind of walk, be walking around the table and kind of bug and pester people every now and then, ask <laughs> stupid little questions because it, it it makes me uh, it enjoys me to slightly annoy people sometimes and do a dad joke here and there. You know, <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, man. As is yeah. your right, <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure you know everyone's smiling. Um, yeah, but when uh, I definitely notice that more more so with the top players they just can't be bothered so <clears throat> it's funny that zone. you say that oh yeah um when you come up like for instance one of the games i just i just ignored entirely was um baki and orion i right, saw right. oh, yeah. <laughs> and i, oh, yeah. I like Stay away. <laughs> i walked over one time and there was like a question next to the table and then <laughs> they like barked out the answer and i was like <laughs> i was like well there you go guys i don't have yeah. to answer your question after all <laughs> but um you know it's it's a uh, it's pretty enjoyable uh, especially seeing each different person's interactions and and how they play yeah 100 percent. Um, yeah so um you said it was the first time you went to vegas so where'd you eat what was your well, not necessarily Vegas. I had been in okay. Vegas a few times prior, um, just sort of to see the sights. And actually, I actually didn't do any, any gambling this time around, which surprised me. But I just was so tired and so focused on the event. Um, but I, I literally just lived and existed within the Rio Casino for like three or four <laughs> days. I ate at every restaurant they had there. Uh, I went across the street to Walgreens to get some some snacks and some water and some supplies for myself and the two guys from Jersey who were also there from like our East Coast crew. Uh-huh. Um, cause everything at the Rio was just stupidly overpriced in their gift way, shop. Way yep. Um, yeah. even the restaurants too, it was just ridiculous, honestly. But you know, I, I just, I literally, I think I got outside like once or twice and I had, I, I was like, Oh yeah, there is like fresh air. I can go outside. <laughs> no, I was just, I was just in the hotel. I was just living it, just living it, you know, All right. yeah. no windows, loud, you know, slot machines and, and Warhammer baby for four days. 
Did you try that Chinese place? I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I had. I think I had like a bowl of wonton soup for like twenty eight dollars or something. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> lord. Yeah. You know, they're thereabouts with resort fee, with taxes, with you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, they. Were I was like, you know what? They they got. It's like a baseball stadium. They got you. It's like the nine dollar Bud Light and all the rest of it. It's you got. It's just you're there for the experience. You kind of surrender that, and then you're like, you know what? It is what it is. That's oh. crazy. Yeah. Well, going on to a little bit more now into the gameplay side of things. Um, when it comes to Kill Team, there are two different ways to play it. There are open boards and there is Into well, the be- Dark. Before we get to that, G, <laughs> I got to know something else. It's a the more right. broader question. Okay, okay. So Critical Operations was introduced and yes. you won New York Open before Critical Operations was Correct. out. And then critical operations drop. Do you think that the critical operations is has been good for Kill Team? I think it's mostly been a step in the right direction. I, I have some mixed feelings about it, if I'm being candid. I think that it's definitely taken a step overall towards like more balanced competitive play. But at the same time, the game has lost some of its kind of uniqueness and quirkiness in a way, which I really loved when I first came into it. Because coming from 40k, especially where you just oh, it's just fighting over controlling objectives, and the objectives never felt like much. You're just circles to stand on for no reason. Mm-hmm. And in the initial version of Kill Team, when they re-released it, you know, a little over a year ago, I guess Kill Team 21, which is what they're dubbing it. Um, there were, you know, there were firewalls to disconnect that then disappeared. Then you had to control the third point. There were objectives that moved around and disappeared or were offline during a turn. There were objectives that you could consecrate and get defensive buffs. Like there were a lot of little like mini games within the game that mm. I found it very interesting to figure out. Now, again, from a strictly competitive point of view, maybe that led to some people being a bit more disadvantaged over others. Um, I know that the old tack up selection process certainly did. It made it more fun and interesting and made you as a player have to adapt because maybe the two cards you wanted were in that same draw and you could only choose one or you'd have to go for a route one time and get that little bit further up the board when you wouldn't normally want to. So I think that it made it more of an interesting game, but I can see the argument for like strictly competitive play being like, look, everybody wants to play as optimized of a game as they can. And that's obviously selecting your three tack ups. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of, I see both sides, but in a nutshell, I think there are some things that I like, some things that I don't like. And the things that I don't like are number one, um, just the fact that it's a bit more kind of static now. And it's just Mm -hmm. back to the always six six objectives, always just stand on them. I mean, you push the button, you, whatever else, but they're just, they're just mats now that, that you stand on and do things. They're not like firewalls or important relics. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got you. and then the, the other thing that I take a little issue with is just some of the things that have led to a little bit of uh, lack of interaction in the game, like the barricade on advantage with the silent sniper. It's not like it doesn't make the games unwinnable necessarily, but it does be like, well, there's something that my opponent has that I, I just can't do anything about, which feels a little bit bad. I always like to feel like I have agency, which I overall in kill team, like a hundred percent I have agency when compared to like 40 K like I, I've never really felt that I don't, I'm not in control of my game, even in a bad matchup, but that feels bad. And what was the other thing that I didn't um, love from? Oh, oh, I mean uh recover item now just feels like an auto two points, depending on the faction. If you're a Tau with a drone or any of the factions with a hound or a dog, it's like you have to put your operative in such a bad position to even potentially contest that, especially with intercessors. It's like, all right, 
I just have to accept they have two points without even having to do anything. So yeah. those two, those two things I don't love. Um, but overall, I, I think it's a step in the right direction. The fact that they're addressing the game more regularly, the fact that they're trying to fix things, the fact that they're experimenting, and then if anything's wrong, they can quickly pull it back or change it. I like the fact that they're that they're acting quickly and they seem to have taken an interest in the game. So it's not all negative by any means. Um, those yeah. were just a few things that stuck out to me, which I didn't love. I like critical operations. At least I, I thought I did before it really like thoroughly dropped. My thoughts are... It was really worrying how many games I saw at LVO that were 20 to 19, yeah. 18 to 17. Yeah. These huge scores and the fact that all these teams were just, because I mean, I just didn't do loot every time. I didn't do, you know, secure or capture every time. But I mean, one of the guys that was there tied three times in a row, his first three games. Wow. Mm. Um, I mean, I think that out of the seven round tournament. So it's yeah. kind of like, I think it's worrying that all of these teams are scoring almost max points. Yeah. And it's just being decided on like one pivotal play. Yeah. And while that could be good for like snowball-y stuff, it also could mean like the reason why you don't get first place is because you accidentally scored 16 points in one game. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. I think Austin only... Drop seven points in the whole yeah. tournament, yeah. right? Wild. Yeah. So I think I think I think that the tack ops are too easy to score, plain yeah. and simple. Way yeah. too way too easy. Um, and that would just be kind of like my first impression of running. You know, so far the biggest event in the U.S. It's looking at all the data, is that the tack ops are just way way too easy to score. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point, and I'd actually forgotten that in my in my first part. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel a similar way. I think I don't have my scores in front of me, but I think when you play loot, I don't think you're ever going to max out at twenty unless you demolish your opponent. So those are my two games where I had fifteen or sixteen or whatever when I was doing loot. Uh, but yeah, every other every other game, and I don't, and I, in the previous edition of the game, like even when I went in NYO, I'm not sure I had a single twenty point win that entire time with the old rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And e- even against players that were not exa- even if I had a firm hold on the game, I don't, I still didn't max out. Um, so I, I think that what, with the way I see it, it's interesting you said about the secondaries, because I think the secondaries are very important, but I think right now the primary is easy to tie because everybody has their three objectives that are like kind of theirs and you can score those. So I think the question now becomes, and we're talking, this is talking about like hyper competitive play, like optimizing every move how can you take over one of your opponent's three objectives for maybe one turn while defending your own? And that's the swing you need. Yep. Uh, assume, assuming you're maxing out your tack up. So I think that tack up selection now is probably the biggest factor in terms of, can you realistically max out six points on your tack ops? And if you can't maybe take a different team that can, you know what Agreed. I mean? Because, because if you're not maxing out your tack ops and every, it's very easy to tie the primary now. So I, it's, I, it's still too soon to say, I think, whether I like that change in the game, but I think like yourself, my gut is telling me that I don't because mm-hmm. it, it it just seems a little stale, a little uninteractive. And also, especially when some of the secondaries are just like, they don't require you to move forward and engage your opponent. Like you can explore rooms while you're moving up and into the dark. You can get on the fa- vantages that are already on your side of the map. You can retrieve item very easily, you know? So, so I feel like 
I'm not sure if I love the new tack up focus. And I'm not sure if that was even an intended change, but you know, obviously things are play tested, then they're released. And then the competitive players come to tournaments and say, Oh yeah, by the way, this is actually broken. This is an issue. This is how it plays now. So yeah, I agree. I think the primary, you know, some of the old maps had five objectives, which was interesting because then it was like, okay, can I really fight over that middle one and then gain control of it? And that was like an interesting thing on the battlefield. We actually yeah. had to move your pieces, engage with your opponent. I like, I like interaction. I, I don't, I don't just like things that are safe and consistent that, you know, allow you to play without considering your opponent or without having your opponent interact with you. Yeah. And another, another interesting thing is when we think about it and how everyone, because back in the day, a lot of people hated a like asymmetrical versus symmetrical layouts. Like some people really liked one, some people really liked the other. Right? You mean and on everyone open? on open? Yeah. Yeah. So an interesting thing though is that throughout a bunch of tournaments, the stats were pretty much fifty fifty. Yeah. Um, also, another interesting thing is that if buildings are supposed to be asymmetrical. Why is there only one to two objective layouts that are asymmetrical? It's very mm-hmm. it's, it's it's interesting to think about um, from a tournament organizer's perspective. Yeah, because when 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 I have to design terrain and stuff, right? But I think that that's kind of the biggest thing is what you said is that we in hyper competitive play can you take over more objectives, primary objectives, than their opponent? faster um especially on loot right and that's why yeah. pathfinders are still seeing such a huge success rate is because they're super fast yeah. they can get to 10 points in a gif you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. yeah and even vet guard too like i had a few a couple uh the star striders player and one of my vet guard opponents actually just surprised me with like two ga2 guardsmen along with the initiative and on a, on both were on loot actually um i'm pretty sure they're both on loot maybe not but but either way like they were able to you know they were and they were able to GA2, activation one, turn one, and steal the two objectives on my side of the map with a pregame dash. And then I actually, the first turn was held to one on the primary, and they got four. Mm. So Oof. that was huge. And I did end up coming back and winning both those games just barely by one, because then I just moved up with Space Marines and started just like shooting everybody. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, that 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 is a little scary. So I think the six objective maps and certain layouts definitely do start to favor certain teams over others, because especially on loot, it feels really bad with intercession, depending on the map layouts and, and the objective layouts, two or three of your Marines, which is like half your team sometimes has to just sit back and conceal and do nothing for three yeah. turns. I know? think that's by far the weakest uh, type of map for all mech teams, especially, especially uh, like intercessors, legionaries. Yeah. Any of it's those not heaven, teams. Heaven it's forbid not... talons of the emperor. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I guess you have to take a bunch. You have to take five sisters for sure. You do. You have but, to. But um. But I found it's funny because I went into LVO thinking like loot was actually one of the best maps for intercessors because I had some success uh, in some local tournaments against horde teams like Blooded. So unless you have access to that GA two and also a dash to get there, like intercessors actually can do the opposite to you as a horde team because I have three mm-hmm. APL and I have ten inches of movement plus a pregame dash if I need. Ah. So like I actually was able to loot a bunch of points ahead of a blooded opponent in New York and ahead of some other people. Uh, Like I played uh, against uh, Kazakin the other day on into the dark and I was able to loot one of their points immediately. Like the first activation of the turn that was really on their side, but because they had a door because they only had two um, APL and they had to do another activation to give three APL from the comms before they did anything, they would telegraph it. Like, 
cert, I think it depends on the map because certain objective layouts actually favor intercession and certain objective layouts, like the ones I played against Vetgard on, for example, are like easy to get to those two. It's just like, if you lose the initiative, like he's got them. Hmm. Mm. That's an interesting look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't. And I, I was really, really hot on loot coming into the tournament. And I sort of slowly realized that actually, I think it depends on where the objectives are, what terrain is in the way, are there doors in the way and into the dark? Um, and then I guess the question is, how do you feel about capture and secure? And I still don't know, which is, which is better for Marines. Um, part of me thinks anything we have to press a button because you still have two APL left. Uh, but situationally it could be, it could be capture where you just have to stand on and to the end of the turn. Cause then you can move on it and still shoot twice or I fight. That's the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, that's the general consensus. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I think mean, that I, I think you could get tricked into that one when you fight a really fast team like a Pathfinders or like a Corsairs, somebody who can right. just jump over you at the very end of the turn. Right. <clears throat> There's definitely like it's definitely like I would say still match dependent for sure. Yeah, because because with secure they still have to press the button. So with with a bigger team that out activates you once you've already gone and you've done your Overwatch or whatever, like they can just throw another body onto the point for capture, and then it's automatically theirs. Yep. Whereas with secure, they have to throw another body to the point and have the APL to press the button. So I don't know. I, I think. I mean, the the nice thing is, I mean, I'm I'm kind of actually just learning this as we talk because I haven't really given it too too much thought prior to this. Is that because the objective layouts are so varied and the terrain can vary a lot as we've seen on open like it does actually not give you a a definite answer for each of those three types of missions like there is play for elite teams and horde teams depending on the layout depending on the map depending on what's in the way yeah that was my goal at least is to when i was designing terrain to make sure that it didn't feel all like into the dark or very static you know that's why yeah it was important for me to make more modular terrain and layouts to make yeah. it more interesting yeah 100 percent, 100 yeah so um g do you want to take it away sorry about that <laughs> yeah no worries well you sort of touched up on open tactics already since we sort of discussed how layouts were working and for the most part i think more people are going to be playing open boards so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about into the dark since you have more experience playing with intercession where i've only played like two or three boards with intercession on into the dark for sure what do you usually see yourself doing in the missions do you kind of like you mentioned you kind of run up the board and sort of try to take an opponent's objectives because of the layout or what would you say yeah i've i've played i think i haven't played all the new into the dark missions yet but i've played i think four or five at this point and i've started to get a good feel for for them and how the six objectives kind of work with that um yeah i think it's like i said before i kind of approach each game sort of situationally once i you know for nyo i think i got like three or four reps on each map prior to that so i kind of had them like figured out for the most part as to what i wanted to do um but sometimes you'll set up your guys and you just see an opening in a different line and you go for it because intercessors have that extra movement especially with rapid overall i'll play more of a conservative game plan and into the dark than open sometimes just because against certain teams, like the teams that really hurt intercession or anybody who has those high AP weapons, like vet guards actually really scary. Breachers are probably the worst matchup. And I think against a good, a really good breachers player, it's damn near unwinnable for intercession. Um, And into the dark and into the dark, especially because you're, you meet them mid board where they excel and you can't pick them off from long range. Cause if you, if you shoot them from long range and they're trying to shoot you back with their plasma, they don't get the benefit of a lot of their extra stuff that makes them almost guarantee four hits. So in into the dark, they can hide behind a door, be safe and then get the first activation and then breach and clear, give an extra APL, 
group activate and just guarantee one or two dead Marines if you're not careful. Oof. So vet guard is scary. Breachers are scary. Oh, it's, it's bad. Le- Layla has, has taught me that uh, one of the first times I played her. So now I'm much more conservative against them. Uh, and they just, they just, I mean, I think they get, they get a guaranteed normal and a crit hit. They get to maybe upgrade a miss to a hit and then they get to reroll all dice of one result. If you place yep. all your stuff in the same area. So it's, it's mm-hmm. basically, it's like four hits. It's just four hits on demand, melt to plasma and a Marine just can't come back from that. Um, but yeah, so, so not to get too sidetracked, the vet guards tough, uh, breaches are tough. I've heard Geller Pox are tough, but I have yet to really play into, uh, a good Geller Pox opponent. We don't have too many Geller Pox players over here on the East coast. And the few that I've played against, have just kind of picked them up as a side team. So they're not really well versed. Um, but I've heard that's a rough matchup, especially on, on open. Um, who else? Uh, legionary is favored in terms of legion, you know, legionary is favored over intercession. They have the AP weaponry. They fight better in combat. Intercessors have a little bit of a durability buff, and if you take Dueler and switch to Tilting Shields, you can tilt that combat math a little bit more in your favor. But I think uh, it, all else being equal, Legionary is a tough matchup for us as well. Um, all, all the top-tier teams, Pathfinders on open is still really tough, even with one less operative and some of their debuffs. They just shoot so well. Um, so those are all tough opponents. And then when you take some of those people like Vet Guard and Breachers who can hide behind a door and send a GA2 guardsman or a normal breacher onto a point to contest it, and then have a demo charge or a melta or a sniper or a plasma gunner hiding behind the door around the corner. <laughs> it's really tough on Into the Dark because you have to, at some point, just kind of commit and hope that they roll bad. And if they don't, you're just dead. So <laughs> so that, that's, that's been a struggle for me in Into the Dark. Uh, a few tips and tricks I've picked up. I do like to, if they make the mistake of activating like a GA2 model and throwing it up to charge range, I'll charge in and fight them. And then I, instead of killing them, I will parry myself out on purpose uh, to stay in combat so they can't shoot me. Uh, and then maybe if I feel like it at the end of the turn, I will fight um, again for the, for the CP. And then, yep. so the next turn I can be free and whatever, but that's a good way to stay out of the threat range. Um, I really, what I've really, really liked lately is actually moving an assault intercessor up to touching the other side of a door and keeping it closed and going on guard. That actually is a really scary problem that a lot of people can't deal with because if the second they open the door, they're going to be within hatchway fight range. Even if they don't open that door exactly within one inch of you for normal combat, you can shoot them, you can hatchway fight them. Um, and then if you don't kill that person, like then you can shoot on death or whatever. So usually they'll come up and have like, you know, a normal dude, like open the door. So then their melter can come up and shoot. Um, but you're potentially getting two of their models for the price of one. So that, that's something I like to do to kind of turn the tables in my favor. And if there are mm. some, some doors on the opponent's side of the map that I can get to with a pregame dash and then a move in a dash and go on guard, I like to do that. Sort of just starting to experiment with that now. Um, okay. And bar- barricade placement is really important into the dark, both defensively and offensively. Um, Interesting. Like, like on the old maps, and I'm sure you could do it on the new maps too, like against um, Rust Stalkers, for example, um, because they have big 40 mil bases and some of the hallways are narrow. I would place a barricade in the middle of the hallway and then so run. You could get by. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, well, so I could, maybe, maybe I could get by, but maybe not. But the whole point is actually that I place the barricade in the middle and I place my Marine exactly one inch from my side of the barricade. So they cannot fight me from the other side of it and they cannot traverse because there's no room for them to land. Wow. So that's, that's like the ultimate, like super sweaty play with a barricade against, you know, 40 mil bases or, or, or depending on base size. I, I, I did that. 
Um, it's not always the play, but it, but it can help give you just that little bit of extra advantage. Um, and then I'm, I'm as precise as I possibly can be with my barricades on an objective, knowing if I want to be exactly up against them, knowing where to deny other people barricade placement so they can't place their barricade on the objective because they have to be further than two from yours and further than two from a door. So sometimes you can actually lock down a whole area of the map by placing a barricade in a certain way. Um, there's a lot of fun little things you can do with the barricades, but overall open is definitely the more like varied and three-dimensional version of the game. Gotcha. Do you like uh, open or do you like into the dark more? I like both. I think I probably overall, if I had to just choose one, I would choose open because just because it can be so many more things. And I like the vertical element. I like the fact that terrain can look different and you can change it up, you know, as much as you want. Into the dark is a lot of fun. It's very thematic. I like that it gives me a break from open. It makes you think about the game in a different way. Uh, certain teams have more play where they might not an open. It's a great beginner's learning tool as well because everything's a lot more simplified without all the vantages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm really glad both exist, uh, and I'm curious to see what if anything GW does as they continue with the game. Maybe they add a third environment. Maybe they just continue updating these two. But if I had to pick one to be open, but I like that they're both there. You know, I was way more excited for Into the Dark when I thought we were going to get new terrain. Into the dark. Yeah, I know. They kind of <laughs> they, they gave us a general promise, and then we I think they misled us a little bit. <laughs> but hey, got a little got bit. Like, yeah, 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 we got I, narrative yeah. terrain pieces. That that's like, true. That's that's true. the new see, terrain. But it's see, my thing is I don't know why it's narrative. I think some of those pieces are really cool. Like turn it a little bit more into um into you know a uh, like arena. How arena used to be. How there used to be a couple pillars and um you know, things that you could hide behind and stuff okay. like that. So yeah, okay. like in the middle of the hallway, instead of it just being like, if I'm not next to this wall, I mean, it's not like there's no space junk floating in this, yeah. in this hallway, you know, like, I don't know. Like, well, well, the nice thing is they recently did sort of say in that uh, new packet they released that they're kind of like officially giving permission to the TOs at competitive events to add the narrative terrain in in competitive environments though they're oh, not like really? they're That's not nice. officially releasing any maps that have it in there they've kind of admitted that hey like this could be a thing that could maybe spice up the competitive play so i think they're like basically saying that like you doing this will not in our eyes like disqualify you as a competitive event but i actually like that because some of the rooms are just so massive and you're yeah, just gonna get like shot nothing up. in there yeah, yeah yeah some of the rooms are huge all right, Dakota, time to make new map layouts. <laughs> and just <laughs> here's the problem, right? When when you design map layouts, like I could not really like design an open map layout if GW put out their own. I'd have to mimic theirs. Uh, a lot of the 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 a lot of the kill team community is very very much stuck into rules as written, which is good, right? But also like whatever gw says or does is is law so uh-huh. when you you know when when i make i make alternate alternative terrain right um and a lot of people are like octarius is the only way or into the dark is the only way and it's like uh well yes and no have you ever played on Chalmith? <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. you know you can try you can try <laughs> new things there's there's better maps yeah so it's kind of like i think that we kind of have to give at least give it its breath and let it live for a bit before we can start adding in things. Unless if GW like actually puts out like another statement of being like, Hey guys, we encourage this. Um, Until, until that point, I feel that if 
TOs make up their own maps, they kind of have a, a higher likelihood of having people go on Reddit after their events and tear them apart, which you is not... On, you mean on Into the Dark specifically? On Into the Dark, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. yeah. So, so at least for now, maybe if it gets stale in a year, but once again, season three is coming out, right? And then they said everything is selling so good, they're, they're going to have a season four. So... <clears throat> It's not like this has been planned for the past five years, but right. that, I mean, you've played 40k for long enough that we all know that everything, when you start hearing rumors about stuff, it's about four or five years out. So yeah, yeah. I think season four has always been planned, um, in my personal opinion. So uh, they were yeah. just waiting to see if like, if it's good enough, we'll actually implement it, even though it's ready. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think, I think no matter what, they was going to come out no matter what, but I think them saying that it's selling so good uh, in general, I think is, is just a marketing strategy for them to say like, Hey, everything's selling well, keep buying into the dark because they're pushing into the dark really, really hard. And I don't think the community is going to be super happy with games workshop. If when 10th edition drops, if into the dark is not a thing. So I think that, yeah. I, that's my personal opinion. I really hope boarding action stays around so that we each have a chance to play it before 10th edition drops or after 10th edition drops. I hope that I hope that since things are becoming more expensive and inflation is happening, they might even GW might even be making a um, a more concerted effort at smaller size gameplays so that right. people can stop collecting as one particular army and keep going into other directions. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting take. Well, let's 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 go ahead and get a little bit back on intercessions here, though. That was a good. That's a good talk. Now, Adrian, when yes. it comes to your overall roster, obviously you can pick up to twenty, but I don't expect you to take a full load of twenty. What are your usual Marines that you take for games? Yeah, I think I think I actually have 20 on the roster, but I usually wow. don't necessarily take them. I mean, I only have like one. I have like all the options. I think the Assault Intercessor Sergeant is like four of those slots. Yeah, it usually me, is. Agreed. Let me see if I can actually pull up. I actually have my roster here. Okay, let me pull Whoa, it up. Whoa, I had it in P, P, a PDF format. Yeah, so I have, yeah, I have 20 slots. So, I mean, I can run you through it real quick if you want, and then we can talk about like the nitty gritty. Yeah, do you want to do your 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 most common top six yeah, and the, the mo- kind of explain the, most, the rest? Yeah, yeah, the most common top six are basically the assault intercessor sergeant with the plasma pistol and the chain sword. Yep. Uh, he he's great versus elites, and he's great anytime you need to you know kill someone in combat and guarantee the next guy is dead. Um, the most uh, the second assault intercessor sergeant I take sometimes is the hand flamer and the power weapon mm. uh, for two reasons. One, I like the hand flamer and the harlequins because they have a four pin bone, so the plasma pistol is almost uh, who cares. So to hit them with like five, you know, hit shots that are all dealing two damage, if they only make a, one of their saves out of three, then they're dead anyway, or, or highly wounded. Yep, and the, pa- like and the, pa- the power weapon, uh, I run rapid and durable. So I, I, I run rapid mostly because it's a tech choice. I mean, I love the extra inch movement, don't get me wrong, but it allows me to flex into dueler in certain matchups like Harlequin. So if a Harlequin now charges into me and I have, he charges into my assault intercessor sergeant, I have a power weapon dueler and maybe even a tilting shield so now um i have more chances to get that crit that i need fives and sixes to parry two of theirs and i think they only have four attacks if i recall correctly 
I, I don't I don't know all the Harakun weapons. I always forget they're they're like they don't mean. I believe they to have me. they have about four. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So so not only now are they only critting on sixes. If they had a way to crit better than that, now I'm also potentially powering two of them. So you can run into situations where someone like I've had a rust stalker charge an assault intercessor with dueler and a tilting shield and actually get murdered in response. I've had a legionary butcher charge a durable dueler marine. Uh, and had two crits and still didn't kill me, and I ended up living and smacking them back and killing them. So the the dueler and the tilting shields, um, especially on that sergeant with the power weapon, really helps you know fudge that combat math back to your favor. Because inter- intercession is good at a lot of things, but they're not the best at anything. So there are people who shoot better, there are people who fight better, but like that helps even the scales in combat, which can be pretty brutal and and nobody's going to leave without getting a couple wounds taken off them. So those are the two assault intercessor sergeants I most often take. Um, in terms of the intercessor sergeant, there's actually only two options for me. There's the auto bolt rifle or the bolt rifle. He's, he's always going to rock a power weapon since he's only got four attacks and he's only hitting on threes. Anyway, I just can't risk a power fist hitting on fours and only getting one hit. It's just not worth it. Um, so the auto bolt rifle is usually into anything that has a five up save or better. Uh, the bolt rifle is into anything that has a three up save or better. Um, and the four up saves are really kind of like, I've done the math on kill team calculator and it's right on the fence. Um, sometimes I like to take the auto because don't underestimate, you know, with only four dice, your ability to roll like three ones and twos, like Mm -hmm. the the law of large numbers may tell you one thing, but the law of actually playing and kill team uh, is that (laughs) I roll three ones all the time. RNG is not on your side. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, so that's kind of, uh, still up in the air, depending on who you're talking about. The one thing I will say that I learned firsthand after playing Layla's novitiates and into the dark in a recent Brooklyn tournament. Um, was that always take the bolt rifle against novitiates because even though they have four up saves, they have tons of dice manipulation. So taking away one of their normal saves and also taking away the ability for them to get back a save that they missed is really, really valuable. So you just give them as little dice as possible to work with. And while I've never tried it, uh, my idea is that I would do the same into Geller Pox. Even though they have five up saves, just taking away the ability for them to have one more save, and then also all those extra feel no pain dice that they may get. Um, so I, I, I think that I would probably run the bolt rifle into Gellerpox just for that reason. Although I'm sure there's an argument to be made for just push as many hits through as possible. So okay. that that's kind of the auto versus bolt rifle argument. And that goes all the way through all your warriors as well. Um, as far as working our way down, I have uh, four assault intercessors on the roster. Three are just the standard layout, and one is the grenadier. You'll never, ever, ever take any more than that because you'll always have one leader, and you're always going to take your grenade launcher. Unless you're crazy and just going all assault, which I don't recommend. You always want that crack grenade there as a potential. Uh, and then you have six intercessor warriors. Three are running autoboat rifles. Three are running bolt rifles. Uh, and then I have three versions of the intercessor gunner. Uh, one is auto, one is bolt, one is stalker. I don't think I'd ever use the stalker. I've tried it. It's not worth, it's not worth it. <clears throat> the only thing is maybe if the map is favorable and you know, you're not going to have to move much to get a shot off a Geller Pox or an, on into the dark, you, you move dash, shoot your grenade launcher, and then you get an overwatch with the heavy P one, because it doesn't matter if you moved, but I've just found that it's, it's too potentially limiting for too little of a situational payoff to ever take it. So your your intercessor sergeant. Yes. The do you always take power sword with them? Always, always, always. Okay. Uh, just just because it's not worth it to take anything that hits on a four plus with only four attacks. 
Gotcha. Oh man, I love uh, the Parfist though. <laughs> and it looks so cool. I, I even don't I even don't like it on the assault intercessor charge. And I've tried it a lot lately, but like I roll ones and twos like nobody's business, and it just feels bad when your dude's getting two or three hits and you're like, I should be murdering this guardsman, but yeah. he parried out one of my hits and now I'm stuck in combat. So I just don't like it because the only reason you take it is maybe to kill a guardsman on a six, but then you still gotta roll a six. Yeah, yeah, mm. you're right. So I have a, a hot take for you. Yes. Um, I've always theorized that the thunder hammer on the assault interse- uh, intercessor sergeant with dueler mm-hmm. would be fantastic into legionary and uh, harlequins and anything else that's like super scary in the close combat. Interesting. Cause, yeah, yeah, cause because because in combat when you hit with the stun, then you take away one of their attacks, right? One of their normals. Yes. Yeah. And then if you crit, you take away another one. Yep. So now they get to strike you with maybe one. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, that is yeah. interesting. The only the only thing, again, with the Thunderhammer is then, you know, because whereas with the Power Sword, it's fives for the crit. Thunderhammer is still a six. So, like, you're kind of throwing yourself at the mercy of that math. True. Um, and, again, you're hitting on threes as opposed to twos. So I, I, I think it, it's, you know what, I, I never really thought about that. I, I definitely would be curious to try it the next time against them. Um, it just is like, hey man, how how uh, how many sixes do you think you can roll? Because if you don't roll a six, then it's just strictly worse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you gotta. I think the best play to do that is with the assault intercessor for sure. That's yeah, because he need the sergeant because he needs to at least hit on a three instead of a four. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Well, well, nobody else can take it. He's the only guy who can take it in the whole army. Well, you could do it no. with the the regular. Well, you got with intercessor sergeant, yeah. but you know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Four, But four attacks hitting on fours that just feels it's like, bad. Plus, yeah, that is so. <laughs> plus, if he's in combat versus legionaries, you got a problem anyway because he's supposed to be shooting them with his yes, doom bolter or hit, whatever. Yeah, hidden his two plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But that that actually is interesting. I I thought about that too. Um, and, and it was a similar thought to like when I tried to take the f- hand flamer and power fist versus that guard. And then I, I've played, I've done scenarios like that enough where I'm like, you know what? Sometimes I just try and get too cute. And I'm like, I just should take, I just should just take the, uh, the best pick on average, which is usually plasma and chain sword, even against guards. I mean, it's just like, I, I know he's going to die. I just need to delete him. Yeah. I mean, that's typical. Um, <clears throat> I think sometimes against a, a well-established opponent sometimes you can play mind games where yeah. you, this guy's like wait he took a thunder hammer yeah <laughs> what the f- you know that's true yeah yeah <laughs> I, th- I think the thunder hammer is probably like win big or lose big right if you get the six you feel great if you don't you're like oh man <laughs> yeah exactly i mean Perfect i could see it i could also see it doing well into um the geller pox uh, okay some some of their big scary scary dudes that do like a bunch of damage yeah uh i could definitely see you just like walking up and negating three of their hits right away is like oh with one six it's like oh wow the emperor's on my side you just pray to the emperor before every game get on both knees make the emperor's eagle across your chest and yeah. just you know pray to him you know? yeah no, I, did, the- I did that against robert and uh it worked until i stopped chanting it and then i started losing <laughs> <laughs> that is a big difference maker yeah yeah so I know there are some people who prefer methodical. Could you give us your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I methodical and durable was my first like go to because yep. they're they're obvious, they're good. Um, obviously, methodical is great uh, for when you're injured, for when you're overwatching, um, and also if it, it, it prevents you from stacking both of those up to maybe hit on a five, which feels really bad. So, 
Um, I think it's the easier play for newer players. And I think it's like definitely solid. I even experimented a bit on into the dark where I thought it might be more useful with guard and all that. I still just think that extra inch of movement is so crucial, especially on into the dark where some of the objectives are exactly seven inches away to get within that two inch control bubble. Um, and also I think that now with the extra CP, you have just a little bit more wiggle room to, you know, to Papa and they shall know no fear to at least help you not get the injury, uh, you know, minus for shooting. Um, and I, I like it a lot. I really do. It's just that Dueler is so helpful against certain uh, combat heavy matchups like Harlequins, like Legionaries, like Admech with their Rust Stalkers. And it has actually saved me a ton of times, like saved me a Marine. So my thinking with picking Rapid over Durable, I mean, sorry, uh, Rapid and Durable over Methodical is that I, I, I just like the that little flex it allows you. And it's such a small thing, but it can add up in a big way in crucial moments during a game. Whereas Methodical and Durable, you're really never swapping anything out pregame because they're just the best versions of both of those trees. That's that's my that's my uh, point of view. I mean, I have intercession players in our shop who love Methodical and do very well with it. And and the one thing I will say about intercession that I really love is what they lack in like types of operatives and specialists and a lot of cool flair and special rules. They really make up for in in being able to be played a ton of different ways and still have a mm-hmm. lot of success. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite ways to play them is actually to run rapid stealthy and you go more shooty. Interesting. Team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I find I, f- I found a lot of success with that as well. Uh, not at any big tournaments, but uh, in the local. Yeah, team. for fun. Those, absolutely. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I had looked at um, stealthy is really good on open. Honestly, yeah, open uh, only. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then it into the you know, def- definitely not into like there is there is no cover as we've established. But yeah, the the uh, the one thing, the only one thing is that like once they get within six of you, so I think it's matchup dependent. But um, mm-hmm. Layla was really hot on uh, Stealthy when she first started playing Intercession, and if you're able to stick back far enough, like that's big. Like shooting a Marine and they're being like, yeah, I just make two of my saves, or like it's I just so make a crit. like that's that's really bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it hurts it's so, so much. It does, it does. But then and then if you go into Plasma, they're like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, you're kind of nuts, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's definitely dependent. And then, so once you have that locked into your tournament roster, obviously, like you're like, oh crap. So I guess you could then maybe swap to mobile, maybe or raider. I mean, I've tried raider before in that tree, and it's okay. But I, when you're in combat with someone, you usually want to finish them off anyway, instead of just hopping along to someone else, because then that person's gonna next activation do something. So I haven't loved raider when I tried it, and mobile is okay if you're really shooting a lot. But again, you're you're still admitting you're in a bad situation at that point. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Do yeah. you find do you find that uh, your tech ops change a lot between Into the Dark and um and open board? With the new update, I don't find they change at all. Actually, <laughs> with okay. the new update, I just have the ones that I like and I run. I so with the new update, I think security has just gotten worse. Straight up, uh, yes. not being yeah. able to get central control turn one is hard. Yeah. Uh, C's ground is I, I think C's ground is unchanged, right? It's about the same. I don't know why it just feels believe, worse for whatever reason. But I I don't think you can take C's ground in into the dark. No, you have to seize a hatchway or something. Yeah, hatchway, hatchway. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, protect assets. Even in the previous, it was always hard to score because you have to kill two. And even if you're against the guard team, sometimes the operatives you want to be killing, like the melt and the plasma, are not the ones on the point. So it mm-hmm. takes you away from the real threats. Escort operative is okay. But the fact that you have to reveal it 
at the second turning point at the latest with only a six operative team just puts a big target on your back and also forces you to play the game in a way you might not want to. Like what I found about security in general, uh, like with a score operative with seize ground, with central control, with protect assets, I personally, my play style, I don't like tack ops that force you to play a game in a way that you might not want to play it. So if everything goes perfectly, yeah, you have you have the operatives in the right position, the right ones die, the right ones stay alive, you get your center control, you get your seize ground, fine. But often maybe dice rolls don't go away and one of your dudes dies and he was the guy you were counting on for seize ground. So now you got to pivot a guy from the other side of the map over there, off an objective, otherwise you're losing your two tack ops points. Like it just, there's so many things that can go wrong. Whereas seek and destroy now, Whereas security got worse, Seek and Destroy got better. Just it picked up. up the slack. It, it picked up the yeah, slack in, in, in a big way. And I have tested security a few times. And every time I did it, I almost lost the game because of it. <clears throat> so <laughs> na- now, like we said, since there is so much more onus on the players to max out their secondaries when primary is so head neck and neck, um, Seek and Destroy is what I've run 100%. So I at LVO, I ran the same three every time. Uh, which is actually just because I went up against horde teams all the time. I, I actually was surprised I didn't <laughs> run into any power armor. I wow. ran in, I, my my path was Wormblade, Vet Guard, Vet Guard, Pathfinders, uh, Breachers, Star Striders, Blooded. Wow! So wow. <laughs> a, a ton of a ton of horde teams. Um, and you won and against loot against all of them. See everyone, loot isn't just favored for hordes. <clears throat> No, it's it's definitely not. But <laughs> I will I will say the two times I did play loot, um, and I'm pr- I know it was against Vetguard, and I only won that game by one point because I was able to deny him some of his security secondaries. Speak of the devil. I remember uh, you were like, on stream. Se- I think se- secure. No, no, that was that was uh that was game three. So game two was on stream, and that was I think I won that twenty to fifteen. Oh, okay. and and that might have been capture or secure. But I played um, Kellen uh, round three on loot, and he Don't had taken. Forget. Yeah, he is. He is. Very good player. Um, and he did the GA2 thing, first activation, just to steal my two points and held me 4-1 in the first turn. And that really hurt. So I was fighting an uphill battle the whole game. Um, but I was able to deny him central line just because it was such an awkward position for his oper- operatives to be in. And seize ground as well because I killed off enough of, his, enough of his dudes and he just wasn't able to get in position. Like I said before, it, the battle changed and he just wasn't able to get where he thought he would be. So seeking, taking security there, although he doesn't have an other option is vet guard you know was a bit of a um an issue for him as for me i took robin ransack eliminate guards and champion of mankind every single game <clears throat> champion of mankind all right yeah I, that one that one is probably the second most viable one right after shock and awe because I, I don't know anyone who's doing indomitable superiority indomitable superiority is just it's just a toss-up it, it, it's too maybe you get one point maybe you get none it's it's not great um i don't love assassinate Actually, no, sorry. Did I? No, Eliminate Guards is the correct one. Assassinate Target's bad just because any even against power armor, I can just play conservative with one of my dudes and it forces you to play a game that I want you to play. Headhunter is okay, but there's no guarantee you're going to get them on turning point one or two. Uh, Executioner, you can get one, but probably not two. You know, as soon as you get that kill, they're not going to let you get the second. Route, I, I see some intercession players playing Route, and depending on the map and, and, and the objectives... It, it could be a good substitute if you know you're going to be up there instead of eliminate guards uh, because eliminate guards can be dicey because sometimes, you know, if you get the initiative, you're probably going to get eliminate guards, especially against the horde team. But if you don't get the initiative, then your opponent may just say, okay, um, I'll, this guy's out. Peace out. You're not getting that point. 
and then and then you're done for that turn. And then sometimes there are actually turns where people just aren't on objectives and there's no valid targets because they've looted the points already or they've captured it and they're off them and they know you have that tack up. So eliminate guards is 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 somewhat dicey. I still like it. Uh, and Robin Ransack is just a no-brainer. It's it you know as long as you're available at the right time, you're you're always getting one from it and hopefully two. Um, and then I mean, that's as, that's solid, yeah. yeah. And as far as the faction secondaries go, I just for the same reasons I said I didn't like security. I don't love shock and awe because again, it forces you to play a game plan you may not want to play. It might you might do really well and get on your opponent's objectives really quick, and then you have nothing to take over. You might I can see that you might want to. They might have something really heavily defended, so to score that, you're going to have to walk into a firing lane and just have a dead marine. So. I think there are some maps where it's better than Champion of Mankind. I played it against Corsairs recently because the layout on the dark kind of was better. And I knew that Corsairs could easily match my Champion of Mankind tally because they're so deadly. Um, but but at LVO, Robin Ransack, Eliminate Guards, Champion of Mankind every game. And I think I maxed them almost every game as well. Wow, what a choice. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, but it suits my play style. And it, and it, and it, and it suited the way I kind of wanted to play the game, which is, usually fairly conservative unless I see an opportunity to be aggressive without immediately dying in return. But I play a very conservative intercession game plan uh, as a general note. Okay. Yeah. I, I, whenever I walked by your tables, I would always notice that there was not any dead Marines. <laughs> that, that is the, that is the goal. That is the goal. At least not until turns two or three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compared, compared to some other players, you know, sometimes I was like, I was like, wow, this dude's intercession dudes just aren't dying. That's <laughs> didn't know why that was happening, but you know, I was like, all right, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah so for, yeah, go ahead. So for, for your strategic poise. Yes. What's uh, your favorite? yeah, well the doctrines are the, um, let's see, let me actually just pull them up. Um, I mean, there's not obviously that much like to look through, but yeah, there's like, there's like, yeah, there's three of them the same, different yeah, range. You got, you got, you got the doctrines and they show no, no fear. So <clears throat> the doctrines are interesting. If I know I'm going to get a big playoff turn one, like a big blast play, that's going to catch a lot of people. I'll definitely pock devastator doctrine on that. Uh, most of the game is probably tactical doctrine because once you start getting close, both your guns and your assault intercessor pistols are going to be within that range. I almost, I don't think I've ever run assault doctrine except if I knew that I needed to absolutely kill one model and I could not roll poorly. <clears throat> so that's the only time I run that because unfortunately, unlike the others, you only get the bonus if you charge. And again, it's just sometimes it can be unpredictable. Great with a thunder hammer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Th- thunder hammer meta. Watch out. You heard it here first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see, exactly. See if the stun works. Yeah, but I remember yeah. in, in one of your games, I think you proc Devastator Doctrine and fired a frag grenade and hit a bunch of dudes the first yeah, turn. Yeah, I did that in both the games on stream, actually. <laughs> I, 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 did it, I did it to Vetguard uh, against uh, a game two against Vetguard. It was like activation one, turn one, move dash 10 inches. I caught one guy. He had an engage a little bit out of position, and I caught like three or four dudes in the blast. And then he moved up four dudes to take my dude down. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to shoot on death with the frag grenade again and kill a few more guards. It, it, was, it was juicy. It was juicy. Um, and then also same thing, first activation against breachers. And, and we had talked it out and he knew where I could get. Um, but I think he might have just overestimated void armor. Um, and he didn't place a defense order in response for a CP. So that ended up wounding like four or five of his guys. And that immediately kind of changed the tide of the battle. So that, that kind of like grenade launcher alpha strike potential is always something I'm looking out for. 
just sometimes to give intercessors a bit of an edge in, in, in an otherwise tough matchup because breachers is really, really tough and vet guard is hard as well. Um, then if I know that's happening and I get the initiative, like I'm popping dev doctrine without question. It's just, it's just too much value. Okay. How about your, uh, how about your favorite tactical ploys? Uh, let's see. Well, adaptive tactics is good. Like pregame, if you know, you're going to switch to dueler, but I don't find my doing self. I don't find myself doing it that often. Cause I just love the extra inch of movement. Um, certain matchups, like I said, add mech void dancers, maybe legionaries will kind of require you to. Uh, transhuman is the one I always forget about. Uh, I don't know why I just can't remember it. Um, I don't think it's ever lost me a game, but I'm sure I guarantee there's been times where I've spent a CP on a reroll when I could have just upgraded a save to a crit. Uh, I don't know why I always forget about it, but it's good situationally. Um, but the biggest ones obviously are the last two angel of death and wrath of vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, angel of death comes up a little bit less so, but it's like I said, sometimes to surprise an opponent, you know, so in capture or secure, maybe you're in combat with a guardsman or you're just on a point um, and he charges you or like he puts a few guardsmen on the point. He's like, all right, end of the turn. I score this one. I'm like, wait a second. I'm going to pop a CP, kill this guardsman. This is actually my point now. So it's a nice little potential flip at the end if they, if they outnumber you on a point APL wise or if you just need to clear yourself up for the next turn and hope you get initiative. Um, okay. So it's like taking a page from the orc book, which is fun. And uh, Wrath of Vengeance is like the one I use all the time. Uh, just, 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 I mean, like shoot, 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 shoot. It's just so good. Yeah. Have you ever got? Did you get any turn where you got four shots off? I, of I have. I have gotten the Holy Grail. Where I've killed four four commandos in one turn with my sergeant. Oh yeah. my lord! Yeah, two plus Doom Bolter, kill one, kill another, Overwatch one, shoot on death. It was the coolest thing. <laughs> that's like that's what Space Marine should be. I mean, that's that's what makes them feel like the books, you know? Absolutely. That's what we want to see. But I, but at high level tables, I never get that. There's no way. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe two kills. Do you, do you find that the shooty versions of the assault intercessors have a problem with mech armor, like three plus saves similar to Phobos? I know that Phobos typically really struggles into death guard, mm-hmm. legionary, anyone who, you know, Geller Pox, anyone who can, who you need to have P1 in too. And yeah. I know that there is a way to get P1 in this army, but do you find any way that you struggle in that aspect? I, yeah, I do. I mean, when I, when I play against legionaries, especially, um, sometimes you shoot them cause you're always taking the bolt rifle and you're taking as many scopes as you can. So you have two scopes. So at least you're lethal five on a five and a six for P1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're also taking the bolts on one of the people plus a, a crack grenade on somebody else. But I've shot, I've double tapped into like a Nurgle guy or a Tzinch guy who rolls hot on the four bin bones. And I've, I've shot eight shots with full rerolls into legionaries and just done like no damage. So mm-hmm. I find, and also the intercessor mirror. So the thing that's interesting about that is depending on your dice and depending on their dice, sometimes you will just empty into them and nothing will happen. And sometimes you empty into them and you actually damn near kill them. So it's very swingy. It's very swingy, but yeah, the, the, the shooting regular bolters into Marines doesn't feel great, which is why I said before legionary has a bit of an advantage because they have the heavy bolter, they have the plasma, you know, they have all the AP, which you need. Yeah. So when you, when you go against those teams, do you take like three or four, shooty um just a 
intercessors instead of assault intercessors? You know, I don't actually have a formula. I always look at the number one, the opponent, right? Uh, and number two, the map. And then number three, the terrain and the objective. So I don't really have a formula for like playing legionaries, for example, because depending on the map, if I know a lot of the fighting is happening really close up within six inches or close to a point where they can easily charge me, I'll probably run a four, two split with assault intercessors taking like the plasma pistol sergeant and three close combat dudes. And then, you know, a doom bolter and a grenade launcher. Uh, if I'm, Mm -hmm. if I'm not maxing out my tilting shields, which sometimes I am, but I'd say it's highly situational. And that's, that's the nice thing is, you know, with intercession, you kind of get to determine how you play and you can really, really adapt very well to, to the terrain and the map layout and the objective markers and where they are. Okay. It's a fascinating take. I like that. Yeah, I, I don't really have. I don't have any. I mean, I have general notes on the faction, but I don't have any like this is what I run against this faction. Like it makes sense. Only, it makes the, makes yeah. yourself a little bit more adaptive. Yeah, and the, the only thing I know is like you know the, the armor math. Like I'll take the P one bolter for three up or two up saves. I'll take the plasma pistol against power armor. I'll take the uh, shooty sergeant against hordes, like that kind of stuff. But as far as like the three three the four two split. I really, really don't know. I know almost don't ever take five and one. Um, maybe against Gellerpox I would. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess you'll run into that situation when it happens. Hopefully, I it, I would have been cool to play. Uh, be cool to play Orion, but uh, one day, maybe one day. I hope you get there. I hope you when there. he needs to get another golden ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take the rest of the year off. You know. <laughs> well, he's already got his. My goal is to get one. So we'll see. We'll see if I can get one this year. I'm going to try and hit the road and travel to some of the GW events and, and see if I can get myself one. I think, I think it's definitely doable, but I would, I would love to actually attend that event at the end of the year. That'd be really, really cool. Yeah. I heard that the first wave of announcements are supposed to be coming up very shortly awesome. for golden tickets. And Ooh, that's exciting. There's, there's probably going to be a couple more. So cool. from, from what I've heard, looks like there's going to be a couple things. So maybe you can start planning your, uh, your your get around what you want to do, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, I, I, I for sure I'll be, I'll be hitting the road like as much as I can this year. Yeah. We'd love to see you uh, come out here to the West side, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I got, I, yeah, no, I got got a free ticket. I got the ticket to it. I got the ticket to it. So once uh, I believe uh, you're still working on finalizing the date, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So once that's finalized, I'll definitely, if, if I can come out, I for sure, for sure will. Right now it's looking like it's going to be August 19th and 20th. Okay, cool. I'll put it in the calendar attentively and we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Awesome. Yeah, should know when this episode drops tomorrow. I oh, good, good. Well, there you go. Well, that's very soon. Then we'll know tomorrow. At the time of this recording. <laughs> yeah. So cool. last thing, this is more marine adjacent and less about intercession. Uh, this goes out to one of our friends. He knows who he is. Since you played Death Watch, if you had to make a few changes, one or a few changes... To make them more viable, what would you do? Interesting. Real Death Watch team. Yeah, I know. I, I wish. I really hope they update them because they're just so much cooler, and they're really where my heart is. Like they have, they yeah. had so many weapon options. It was ridiculous. Like each, each like data sheet had like twenty different weapons they could choose, and it was so cool. The Xenophase blade, the Storm Shield. You could have three sources of plasma. You could take a leader with a plasma gun, a gunner with a plasma take, gun, a plasma pistol. Really? Four? four? Plasmas. Yeah. I thought you could have, I thought it was only three. It was a plasma pistol and the fighter. How, where's the fourth? I can't I remember. Think the heavy have, gunner? The heavy it? gunner, the, there, you have the fighter, you have your, you have your sergeant, 
And you have one other. Well, I think the heavy gunner only took the frag cannon or the heavy bolter. I don't think they had a pla- they had a gunner with the plasma. They had a leader with the plasma gun hitting on twos, which was ridiculous. Uh, and then a plasma pistol on the fighter. But maybe maybe I'm incorrect. But I thought no, at the you time have, you have me curious. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually sold my companion book a while ago. Um, Wahapedia. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, no, but you yeah, are correct. But, All right, so yes, yeah, so yeah, you cannot take it with the heavy gunner. I thought for some reason I thought you could, but the frag cannon is really solid, as is oh, yeah. the Infernus heavy bolter in certain situations. But the frag cannon just being not not being heavy is so good. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so that Death Watch is so cool. Uh, love, would love for them to bring it back. Um, I think the number one thing is just like more wounds, guys. We need more wounds. Like eleven wounds hurts so bad because it takes that threshold of being injured, like you get hit with six damage, which is a very common amount of damage to get hit with. And all of a sudden you're already injured. Whereas 12 wound models are not injured because they're exactly at half. So adding at least one more wound would be great. Um, and then I think like, I would love to see them keep all the weapon options. Cause I think that's just so core as to what death watch is. I don't really know what they would do in terms of like strategic ploys and tack ops and all, and, and all that stuff and tack ploys. But what I would love to see them do if they made a spoke Death Watch team is really make them feel more like Death Watch with like the ability to change chapter tactics pre-game or on the fly or to have certain benefits against Xenos armies, you know, like maybe they get a cool thing against Nids or Eldar or Tau or just even a blanket like anti-Xenos strat. Um, something that like really made them feel like Death Watch in addition to all the weapons they could take. Those would be my, my two biggest wishes items, more wounds and just like a lot of flavor, you know? I do Absolutely. know. I always theory craft and write a bunch of rules and try to make sure it's not overpowered. Yeah. Because no they, one wants overpowered stuff. They very easily could be just because they, they even still in their current state, like if you play them well, they could still mince elite teams. Like that plasma is no joke. And I would just run pla- max plasma and max purity seals and spend all my CP and purity seals to make sure people died every time I shot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's no joke. The only downside is, like we mentioned, with wounds, you get hit once, and well, right. now you're wounded. Exactly, and then and then there's no way to. I don't. I, and again, I haven't played them in so long, but I don't think there was a way to ignore that, right? As there is with intercession. No, maybe, I don't. Maybe, I don't believe it works with them. Maybe there was. I can't remember, but yeah, it just felt really bad. Like they felt so fragile, and I was like, this just doesn't feel fun playing Marines that I have to hide more than like people hide their guardsmen. You know. True. And it does look like you can only take three plasma, but you can take it one of the other heavy weapons. So yeah, that's probably what I got mixed up. And you can take a bunch of power swords. They're 100%. pretty nifty. Yeah, yeah, I think they just come with power swords. Right? The regular warriors yeah. have a uh, unlimited range bolt gun with four profiles, which is so cool. So oh, that, yeah. the, you have the ammo selector, so you can select like no cover. You can select P one. You can select like uh, some, I don't know, maybe like maybe oh, rending rending. Four four damage instead of yeah, three four damage and rending. Yeah, so that was always a cool fun mini game to be like, all right, what's best in this scenario? What do we take my chances on? And then yeah, just just a power sword, just standard. They were when Compendium was out, they were just strictly better Marines. They were the best Marines. Period. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before we 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 start, I have I have I have two questions. Yes. Firstly, if you didn't have to play Death Watch, what other Marine faction would you play? I love Deathwing. I always have loved Deathwing. And I just, okay. I, I love the Terminators. I love the all Terminators. I love the bone armor. Uh, I actually, when I got back into 40K a couple years ago, like this most recent time, I was either between Deathwing or Deathwatch. And the only reason I really went Deathwatch because I think I just love the new scale of the Primaris Marines and what they lack in some of the customization and, and character on the models. You know, they're a bit plain. Um, they, I just love the scale of them and the size. 
Uh, and the old Terminators, which they haven't upgraded yet, not sure if they ever will. They might just push new, push new Gravis stuff. But um, they're just a little short and not intimidating. And if they were bigger and cooler, I would have done Deathwing, no question. That, I mean, just Terminators are just the coolest thing. Yeah, Space Marine Heroes, their Terminators are great. Yeah, I have three of those, and they're a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. So have you ever seen Angels of Death? Yes, I have. Yeah, I watched it. Um, okay. Yeah, it was really cool. Is- is uh is the main character the dude from who left the Death Watch? I forget his name, Kasarian. Uh, is he your favorite in, in the show? No, he's kind of a he's kind of a whiny baby. I don't really love him. <laughs> 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 he's just kind of cry. He's like, oh, I'm all sad and my emotions and it's hard. I'm like, all right, dude, come on, suck it up. Everybody's dealing with stuff. I don't actually like him. <laughs> I don't actually like. I like that. I I think my favorite character is probably the uh, who's my favorite character. Probably the, the dreadnought, actually. He was cool. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he just got, got unwoken and just mowed dudes down. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. And just like reciting like cool badass litanies. Um the Tech Marine was a pretty cool dude. But you know, I didn't I didn't love it was I loved the fact that they had Death Watch guy in there. I thought that was really cool that they included that. Nice attention mm-hmm. to detail and it expanded it beyond just the Blood Angels chapter. But no, I didn't I didn't necessarily love him as he wasn't my favorite character. Yeah. Gotcha. My favorite guy, my wife's favorite is the tech marine yeah uh and the dreadnought yeah and well, she also go. really she also really liked Raphael. yeah mine yeah. was kazarian uh sorry i like no, it's, all it's all good it's all good drachmo still has yet to uh finish that episode that's that tv series yeah we said oh, we're good. gonna watch it on the way to vegas and we didn't yeah that is true and i think i think, slept. I think they now oh. released like a supercut so you could just watch it all the way through which is pretty cool oh shit and I think they released, have they released the season two yet? Cause I'm wanting to see season. Two. Not yet. They have released, like they did a free uh, prequel. So they show you how like the ship mistress comes into command of the ship, which was cool. It was like okay. a 20 minute episode. Uh, but I no longer subscribed to it. So I, I think ah. there was one more that they did, which is now like either a prequel or an epilogue yeah, I... to the, to the Adeptus Mechanicus girls story. Uh huh. Uh, I think I think that is the season two of it is five prequel episodes. Ah, oh, I did, okay. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then I hope they do a season three. It's, I know. I'm really hoping they they teased a long time ago some of the graphics from that Black Templar thing, and that looked so smooth. Oh, oh yeah, that looks so good. So I hope they do more of that style of animation. I'm not much for the um, the stop motion Inquisitor type stuff they did. Okay. Um, I mean, just as a personal taste and preference but uh-huh. i think it's really cool and uh and in that space i i learned recently that amazon acquired the rights to like 40k intellectual property for like tv shows and movies uh mm-hmm. that was the whole like henry cavill kind of thing so yeah i'm a little worried about that because i am like just kind of sketched out when the big companies buy up rights to things you love and care about and then just juice all the money out of them and make kind of crappy products but the one yeah. the one saving grace is that if Henry Cavill's behind it, and I think he's far enough along in his career and has enough money and clout in that industry to kind of have his opinions heard and known, if he's directing it, producing it, and acting in it, hopefully that will be the thing that keeps it, you know, afloat and 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 hopefully keeps it true to like what what the fans like us really know and love. Yeah, between him and Dan Abnett, who is supposed to be help, help, oh, is he? That's write. awesome. I love him. He's a I'm, great author. Yeah, I'm hoping that, and he's done a couple good movies too, and uh spider-man books oh really comic books I didn't yeah know he's if you look up his uh his autobiography bro he, and movie biography it's you'd be surprised at yeah. a lot of stuff he's written oh he's awesome he, he's done he did the eisenhorn uh series right he did yeah that was so 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 good really really good oh, yeah. 
Well, that's exciting. Yeah, super. If you had to choose one favorite Marine out of all the intercessors, Ooh. out of the, this entire this entire book, um, one that you would say that you just is usually the MVP, or you just couldn't live without. Which which is the one? What makes this team? Oh, you mean team? that? Oh, you mean the actual? I thought we were talking about like uh, fantasy Marines. You mean actually the Marines in the uh, in the rule? We could do both. Yeah. We could do both. I, we like the, heroes. Which so the first question I actually don't know, but I, I the. Uh, I think it was what was his name? Was it Ben Counter who did the Death Watch books? Uh-huh, um, I think so. Yeah, those were honestly. If, if if anybody's listening that has not read those yet and loves Space Marines Death Watch, those were awesome. I think the first one is just entitled Death Watch, uh, and it goes through the whole process. It's really cool from like the Marines being pulled from their chapters to going through all the rigorous training to actually being deployed, which is really awesome. Uh, and they had just some cool personalities in there from all these different chapters. So I loved that. Um, hard to pick who my favorite character there was, but like they were, they all had such great personalities and like kind of like a old like eighties action movie. Like you get you got this guy, you got this guy, this guy without hamming it up too much. I thought it was very well written. Um, but in terms of the book and the rule book itself, I think my favorite guy is I mean just got to be the shooty sergeant. I mean just 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 I just I like guns, man. I just like shooting <laughs> things. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I mean, it's it's just cool hitting on twos, standing up on a vantage point, mowing people down. Like that's that's the dream. Bolt guns are are, are where it's at for me. How about you, G? Mm. The gunner. I like the grenade launcher. Oh yeah, he's cool for sure. Uh, I would. I'd probably say the sergeant. But going to lore wise, uh, I would say that uh, Sigismund and the lion would be my oh, nice. two my two favorites. I like yeah. the sword guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, they look very cool. And I love those, uh, forge word models. Oh yeah. They're, I have, I own both. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, I just don't personally mess with resin. I'm not, I don't have enough uh, <laughs> comfort yet to do that, but the models are so cool. And I love the scale, the art, the art scale space Marines are something that since the seventh grade, I've always tried to replicate. And I feel like I've always mm-hmm. come short. But um, my ne- my next thing on, on on the project calendar is to attempt a kit bash between the uh, new corn eight bound and the corn berserker kit using the eight okay. bound as the upscaled art scale body, and then uh-huh. trying to shave off and green stuff on a corn berserker helmet and corn berserker arms to give it that like long leg, shorter arms, smaller head feel that I loved in so much of the early Space Marine art. Okay. Do you have a do you have a least favorite Space Marine Primark from the Forge World? Uh I don't know. Probably mm-hmm. someone who has the most boring pose, like probably just the Ultramarines. I don't know. I would agree yeah. to kill him in this little sta- sta- Standing there just you know on, on marble floors looking like an ultramarine. I don't know. Ultramarines I are mean, a bit too vanilla for me. I think um my least favorite would be Sanguinius. I think Oh, the interesting. Pose, the the pose is absolutely awful awful yeah he's the one who's kind of like he's like i'm actually trying to look it up right now he's the one oh yeah he's jumping you, off that you can thing. fight the demon in the, oh, in yeah. the special edition version too it just looks yeah. bad because it's it's kind of like he's not at the r- aggressive enough angle and it's clear that his the, the rock is like holding him up right is that am i looking mm-hmm. at the right one yeah it was inspired yeah. by like the art piece as opposed yeah. to like a, making a model right it would have been it would i mean they they just dropped the ball so hard on that. It's like, yeah, it looks really, it looks okay when you have, when he's killing the, the, the corn demon, but like, it's, it's just, just like, it looks like he's falling and he's off balance. And I didn't even realize he had like a leopard skin 
cloak on with like an actual leopard head. That's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, there's a couple of those uh, Horus Heresy models that like really hit the mark and a couple of them that really didn't. <laughs> yeah. I like Angron. I, the dynamism in that one is so cool. Oh yeah. With him, like the two Marines just like bending over backwards after being hit. Like I, I, I have a special place in my heart for corn. Cause like my, uh, one of my mentors growing up, the local GW played them and taught me a lot about the game and he ran them. So I, I really like, I like corn a lot as far as chaos is involved. So if corn gets dropped for kill team. Yeah. Oh my God. Them? I would love it. I would love it. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also just, I, that they, it really fits my paint style, which is like, color in the in, in the lines with the base colors hit it with a dirty grimy enamel wash so like hitting it with some ak streaking grime and then you dry brush on some highlights uh give it some rust give it some dirt give it some mud and splatter on a bunch of blood and it and it just makes everything look so much better and also hides the fact that i'm you know i don't always color inside the lines artist interpretation yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. I, I like i like the i like him as grim and as dark as as possible i don't i don't like the uh the clean perfectly edge highlighted style i just love like dirty battle worn like on my death watch guys for example like i i mo- shave off all the mold lines impeccably model them in cool poses and i'm like all right time to take a drill and a knife for these guys and i drill holes in them i cut marks in them with my hobby knife to you know indicate like battle damage from swords and ricochets from bullets and stuff. And, and it kind of feels weird that I'm just destroying these models. I spent so much time and money on, but the end effect is very three dimensional as opposed to just painting it on. It's definitely a cool yeah. effect. It is super cool. So as we round this out, Adrian, is there anything, how can the people get a hold of you to see your models? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way. Uh, no, I'm, Discord, just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Discord's prob <laughs> Discord's probably the best way. Cause all my social media is really just like personal and work related. Right. Uh, so discord, I am Adrian dot B three, nine, three, nine, something. Let me actually open the tab and give you the exact, uh, cause I don't, I know it's just Adrian dot B, but they associate a certain like number with it because I guess there's more than one. Adrian. 29, 29, Adrian. my yeah, favorite number. Yeah, there we go. I, I kind of just worked. Yeah. Adrian dot B as in boy. 2929 that's easy to remember i guess is there any discords you like to hang out and post your uh, works in progress i'm usually yeah all the stuff is pretty much in the b strat war games discord which is my local shop the brooklyn strategist where i live uh and then i'm also in carcosa a little bit which is a private brooklyn club um and there's a nynj warhammer place but not really so yeah it's it's mostly the b strat war games but for anybody who's on the more like global channels, I am in Glass Half Dead and the Command Point Discords, which a lot of people are on. Uh, and I, I sometimes post updates there uh, in the Intercession channel. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Obviously a member of the Squad Games channel as well. Hell yeah. The, um, as we round out this, I would like to uh, thank our, our newest patron, which would be uh, Dio Jimmy. Appreciate you for for supporting the channel and supporting us. Gee, is there anything else you'd like to say? I would. So you can't like Dakota mentioned. You can find us on Patreon.com. I believe it's Patreon.com/slash/SquadGames. So you can just look us up as Squad Games to find us. And we're also on Instagram at Squad underscore Games underscore Entertainment. And then you can catch us on Twitch at Twitch.tv/slash/Lester's Workshop. And of course, you can always find us on our Discord show notes and the mobile version. Uh, that's all you can really do there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
Thank you, Adrian, for coming on, man. You're excellent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Thank, yeah. thank, thanks so much for having me. Any, anytime I can talk about Kill Team, it's always a pleasure. I really appreciate it, guys. Well, we appreciate oh, you yeah. having on from you know the number one intercession player globally. I, yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Pretty cool. I didn't honestly at the beginning of this year. I was just starting the hobby, and I had I had no idea I'd end up competing. So it's it's pretty surreal to be honest. I, I look forward to you being at the top next year too, unless a coin comes out, then you might be the top. Oh yeah. <laughs> Would you be pretty we'll red regardless? We'll see. That is the well, goal. Well, until next time guys, this is the squad games podcast. We'll have some more people on and we'll catch you guys later.